0: We are beginning a new series this morning, so welcome to our new series. Okay, Okay. just a little uh, window into what we're thinking here. We just finished a number of months on the Gospel Essentials. And we hope that that's been of help to each and every one of you that were here. It's something that will continue to be... A absolute necessity for your life as a Christian. It's not an option. The gospel has to be that important to us. I don't care how, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at in life, as long as you're saying, I'm a Christian, the gospel is an absolute necessity. We need it, yes, to get right with God and to know of a a home in heaven, having a future in heaven, a hope in heaven? Yes. But you know what? We need the gospel throughout our everyday lives. We've got to have that. That's the, that's the engine behind what we do. And we need to translate it that way. We, the gospel needs to be translated in that way in our lives. That what we do and why we do it is here's... Here's what's driving it, is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Parents that have little children, you train them based on the gospel of Jesus Christ, not your upbringing. Yeah, your upbringing can be important, but you, you drive what you help your children to learn you, that's driven with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's like a well that never runs dry. And the principles that come forth from the gospel will always be relevant, always be critical for how you live and how your children grow up to live. Pa- uh, people that are here, they're grandparents. You've got the empty nest. Same thing with your grandchildren. Pray for your children that have grandchildren, have children, <laughs> right? And that we are, you know, want, doing our best to pass it along. Without the gospel, then it's nothing. Life is is really anybody's game. Hey, live however you want to live. Eat, drink, and be merry. Hey, for tomorrow we die. Hey, life is pointless, aimless, whatever. No, that's not it. Here's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this is what we, we understand. This is how we want to live based on the gospel. So, with that in mind, you know, here's the gospel essentials. What better way to respond to the gospel than with holiness and humility? That's really what's the the thought behind going into this this uh, series: holiness and humility. And um, you know, we, you know, even right now, before we get long into our, our, our new, well, the message here for today. I, I, I really think it's important to start with some encouragement. I got to thinking about this in this week. Um, A lot of times we jump right into things and, okay, here we go. Another time of worship and singing and here's the message and you listen but I want to be an encouragement. It might be that some of you are feeling under a load of stress. It might be that some of you are just feeling burdened, depressed. We don't know exactly, when we come in on a Sunday morning, we don't know exactly, you know, how your week has been or how your week has been or whatever, what you've been dealing with. And a lot of times, I am I come in and I, I'm jazzed to go. <laughs> it's good to see you. Isn't it great to be together and sing and praise God? And yet, I, I, I think it's important to stop and say, Christian, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Yea, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. That's what God says to His children. And Jesus jumps on that... With what he said in John 16. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have what? Peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us. Who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up, delivered Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? You may have faced a horrific week. Maybe not. But, my friend, we need to bring our minds and our hearts back to here's the precious and magnificent promises of God and let that become, here's the joy of my life. All too often we're grading it on my circumstances. Well, my circumstances have been terrible. What do you expect me to do? I'm bummed out. I'm, I'm upset. I'm bothered. Whatever it is. But when we stop and, and draw our minds and our hearts to Jesus and His Word, then the perspective is different, isn't it? isn't it and that's the that's what's awaiting you today and through this week here's a perspective that's driven and influenced by Jesus not by your circumstances all of us face it all of us deal with it remember he's not led you to despair he's not led you to the pit He maybe has allowed that. Why? So that you and I will look up and look to him. Fix your eyes on Jesus no matter what we're facing. He's the believer's never forsaking, constantly caring, loving, protecting, gracious and forever merciful Lord and Savior. That's who Jesus is. So, I don't know why I've said this. I I didn't have any one particular person in mind. Not at all. It's just, here's... Here's kind of what God put in my heart. Say, fear not, brother. Fear not, sister. We're talking this morning about holiness. Holiness. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. And it might be that some of us as Christians feel like, oh yeah, I can define that. I know what that means. Um, you might get a straight A on the test exam on paper, but holiness in practical living is a different story, isn't it? We want to start with these two verses. As you, you can follow in your outline and that's provided there in the bulletin. And... Uh, Obviously, this, this first one is uh, why we've got the memory verse that we have. 1 Peter 1, 15, it's there in your outline. You can see it. But as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all your behavior. That's because here's holiness begins with God. Holiness begins with God. He is the source of holiness. He was not created. God was not created. And and whoever, you know, started God and the thought, oh, let's add some holiness to it. No, God is there. He's always been there. And God has always been holy. So holiness begins with God. And it's like, why doesn't the Bible start with that? Like, okay, in the beginning, God, who is holy, doesn't say that. In fact, one of the first references to holy is, Moses, take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground. It's like, holy ground? What's that? Are we on holy ground? You know, anyway, we're not gonna deal with that. The point is, it's like, we don't get a clear-cut definition of it from the get-go. And if God is holy, why, why don't we have that? It's, it's gradually unveiled. And uh, we have a ton of it in the book of Leviticus. Actually, in the book of Exodus and Leviticus. Leviticus is all about holiness. Holy is the Lord. And how... Um, Here's the the tabernacle set forth and and all the laws given. Holy is the Lord. Don't do it this way. Do it this way. All these references to the, the religious and spiritual leadership of Israel to point out one thing. Holy is the Lord. But here's our second verse. So turn to Isaiah In, basically, in the middle of your Bible, after Psalms and Proverbs, okay, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and then here we come to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. And many of you are familiar with this passage, okay? But I want to mention this because I think it's important uh, to relate it. I'm not saying that um, America is the new Israel. We're not saying that but we can connect to the fact that what God said to Israel here, Israel as a nation, they had, get this, they had this king, King Uzziah. He reigned for 52 years. Can you imagine having a president for 52 years? Some of you are going, no, 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 no. Don't go there. But Israel had a king for 52 years that's for most of us that's that's your there's your lifetime and as you read in second chronicles you can say hey this guy was he was good he's a good king really good and you look at the whole record of the kings of israel and oh (laughs) bad news bears wow not not many good kings at all but here's one good king Okay, granted he messed up at the end of his life. And he he did. Isaiah you know went into the temple and, and tried to act like a priest. And and some of you know what happened. He ended up with leprosy. God judged him right on the spot. Okay? So he dies. It's like Okay, well, overall, we had a really good year. I'm sorry, a really good period of time with this guy. And, you know, it's like national pride steps up. And I, I couldn't help but think of that and, and relate it to our situation in the United States now. You know, we're a proud country, right? That's okay to say, yeah. I mean, it, it, we're a proud country. Got a proud heritage. All that. But here's the problem. We have banked way too much on the king and not brought in the ultimate king. We need to... When you and I have a rough time translating and figuring things out with what's going on in the political scene now, you just remember, it's not... Just a pie in the sky thing to say, but Jesus in control. That's not a pie in the sky thing. Do you understand that? Because here in the text, what we have is Isaiah walking into the temple and what does he see? The king, he says in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1, in the year of King Uzziah's death. Okay? That's what we just talked about. Here's his death. He's, he's dead. He's gone. Now what are we gonna do? He walks in and says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim angels stood above him, each having six wings with two. He covered his face with two. He covered his feet with two. He flew and one called out to another and said, and here's why they covered themselves. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Okay. The whole earth is full of His holiness. No, the whole earth is full of His, here's His glory. There's the connection. The connection to, of glory, of God's glory to what? His holiness. Okay. So we've got God's, here's God's, in your in your outline, God's everlasting preeminence. We We see it there. The Lord, sitting on the throne. That's it. He's in charge. He's on his throne. He has not gotten off his throne. Nothing has pushed him off his throne. He's on his throne. He reigns supremely. But the problem is, you and I don't typically see it that way. Because we're looking at, oh, there's the dead king. There's the king, and, and who's going to be next? And our focus gets on the the things of, uh, that are temporary. And Isaiah sees the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty, high, and exalted. Okay. So it goes from here's God's everlasting preeminence to God's everlasting perfection. What is that? His holiness. His holiness. And so what we want to do is understand holiness. Point number one is holiness defined. Holiness defined. Now, listen. There's there's all sorts of really good books that are at your fingertips. If you want, you can order you know from the local Christian store, or, you know, look online or whatever, and order books about God's holiness. Um, uh, J.C. Ryle. Uh, he's known as Bishop Ryle wrote a book on holiness long time ago, um, others that have written about it, it um, uh, jerry bridges Jerry bridges uh, a man that just recently passed away, he wrote a book on the pursuit of godliness and and, and the pursuit of holiness um, uh, a w. Tozer a man that uh, died back, I believe, in the 60s. A.W. Tozer wrote some excellent work, The Knowledge of the Holy. You get those books and you just let those sink in and recognize, oh my goodness. And what comes up is this. We have a holiness deficiency. We have a holiness deficiency. You know what? In our... In our day and age, um, we're, we're pretty good at cultural holiness. You think about that. We got, we got cultural holiness okay. But you know the difference here that cult, the idea of cultural holiness works right into this idea of the deficiency of holiness. Because our standard for cultural holiness is much more, hey, we like this, you know, cause we all kind of say, um well you know God's working on my life. And what that does, yeah, we all know that's true, but what sneaks in with that? An excuse to not do the right thing. You got that? It's like we're good at justifying, you know, well none of us are perfect. Uh, yeah, well of course. But if you're a child of God, what is God calling you to? A life of holiness, and this is where we kind of disconnect from it because we'd rather, really, hey, why don't we have a series on, you know, fellowship? Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's cool. But when we get into holiness, it's like, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm not qualified to, you know, give you the all the details about holiness. Because I struggle with it. I've got the holiness deficiency just like you have the holiness deficiency. Now think of that in a medical sense. Think of it. If you go to see the doctor and the doctor says, well, you've got this deficiency, so therefore you need to do A, B, C. What is he saying? Well, here's the protocol for your, your getting stronger or healthier. Right? But all too often... I don't follow Jesus' protocol. I go after other stuff. I lean on my own understanding more than I should. I actually, if you want to really get into it, and you do too, I actually exalt myself more than I exalt Jesus. When it comes right down to it, if it were measured, I would stand guilty in that way. I I actually exalt myself um, on more of a consistent basis than I exalt Jesus. And you say, what? The pastor? Welcome to the fight. Welcome to the struggle. But lest we think it's all based on your performance, oh no, it's because of who died on the cross to secure a perfect righteousness placed on... Your account, believer. That's what imputation is. The, the righteousness of Christ, the holiness of Christ has been placed on your account. How? Because you've been a good boy, good girl? No, because of faith in Jesus. Period. Romans chapter 5, right? We've been justified by you convinced of that? We've been justified by faith. Faith alone in Christ alone. Okay? So, I want us to understand as we go into this series talking about God's holiness and then our holiness, we need to understand God is perfect in His holiness. Okay? I'm getting ahead of myself, but let's look at point number one. <laughs> Holiness defined. We, we have some words that we always put to holiness, and that is, from number one, pure. He's pure. How pure? Perfect. Perfectly pure. Number two, separate. Or set apart. Um, another way to put it is a cut above. Okay? God's holiness is a cut above. It's separate. It's, it's like, you know, um, why didn't all the people go up to Mount Sinai? <laughs> well, no, they were there to say, no, no, here's God in his holiness. He's going to talk to Moses. And uh, so that is a picture for us to understand about how God is set apart perfect in, in his holiness. The, you know, no one can just approach God. No one can just approach him. Until Jesus came and died. The, the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. And now the way is open for anyone to come through faith in Christ. If you're here and you're, you're not a believer in Jesus, you need to understand you've got to be made right with God through faith in Christ. Not, be, not say, oh, i gotta, I got to step it up and go to church more. That does not get you right with God. Oh, I I need to give more to charity or give more to church. Give checks and money and all that. No, that does not get you right with God. The only thing that gets you right with God is here's repentance and belief. That's the same. You know, here's the one coin, two sides of the coin. Belief and repentance. Faith in Jesus Christ. That's what gets you right with God. That's what the Bible explains to us. So... The idea of of holiness defined moves on from being pure without anything added to it, without any pollution to it he 's totally pure in his holiness, and then separate or sanctify is another word that we use he 's sanctified he 's set apart then th- letter c transcendent you can fill in the blank there that 's the toughest word to spell. <laughs> But transcendent, and what is that? Why do we add that one? Well, it's like we've got this idea of well, we know what purity is. You go to the store and you can see a bottle of uh, or a jar of honey. You see, oh, it's pure honey. Um, we we get that. We understand that in our minds. We understand the idea of set apart. Your ladies, your china, you know, you you know that great grandma had. You, you set that apart, in the wherever you set it apart, <laughs> and you put that. You, you don't use that for Sunday lunch, uh, just you know any old day. No, it's a special use. That's the idea of holiness, right? But this one transcendent, busts it busted open to say, hey, it's beyond our comprehension. And it's sad, but in our day, um, pro athletes. Uh, sometimes they use this term for pro athletes they they're transcend, they've transcended uh, this their sport well okay we get that i think we get that but really it it's something that it, it's important for us to see that god in his uh, being transcendent is beyond all of our comprehension in his what in his purity and in his being separate from all evil God is in a class all by himself. Okay, and we must be aware of the extent of our holiness deficiency that we so easily and subtly can make God into our image. That's another concern about this idea of saying, "Well, let's define holiness," and what happens is we somehow, in a in a more of a subtle way. Bring God down to our level, in our trying to understand Him. And it's listen, it's okay to not be able to understand God. (laughs) That might be a one of those statements that's obvious, but that's I think that we've seen some examples of that in our in our day and age. Because we call him the big man upstairs, right? Hey, he's the big man upstairs. Uh, You know that'll be. I'm not saying you do personally. I don't know. But the, the, that's out there. Okay? In other ways that we belittle God, let that sink in. Do we think in, in terms of belittling God? We'd say, no, 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 no. I don't, we don't do that. But I think in, in function, sometimes we are belittling God. So, we want to see as clearly as we can because the problem is, because of our holiness deficiency, we can't see very far with this concept of God being holy. Number two, we've labeled it holiness developed. And really, this is just showing forth the attempt to try to understand two concepts, or two, I'm sorry, two categories. Two categories of holiness stand out. Number one, letter A, moral holiness, moral holiness. Listen to first John. Listen to first John chapter one, verse five. The last half of it says, God is light and help me out here. And in him is no darkness at all. I love that at the end there. No darkness at all. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Emphasize that in your mind. And what's that talking about? Well, God's really bright. You can't look at him. It's like looking at... No, 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 no. Yes, he's bright because of his glory, but it's the point of here's moral holiness, doing the right thing, the goodness of God. The Bible says that he dwells in unapproachable light. But here's the issue. He's perfect in moral holiness because, guess what? He's the standard of holiness. Okay? That's what he is in his very person. He's perfect in all that he is. He's absolutely free from any moral evil. Think of that. He needs no improvement. He needs no improvement in anything. And that's, you know, we all acknowledge. Yeah, we get that. But sometimes it's not really sinking in. And thus, if it's not sinking in, thus we, we belittle God in, his, in, in who He really is. You know what? There's times in our lives where we need some encouragement or counsel to make a decision on something. We don't want to do the wrong thing. We want to do the Right thing. Well, God never needs that kind of counsel. God's perfect and moral holiness. Number two, B, under this, is he's majestic. it's majestic holiness. And this is where we're really getting at. Nothing compares to Him. Nothing whatsoever compares to Him. Numerous times in the Bible we read the question, Who is like the Lord? And really what's that doing is exalting Him, lifting Him up with that question. Consider that. Who is like the Lord? No one. Exodus 15, verse 11, Moses asks, Who is like you, O Lord, among the the gods? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. Then, mark it down. Isaiah, chapter 46, verse 5 says, To whom would you liken me? And make me equal and compare me. That we would be alike. Answer, no one. He's above all things. That's why in Psalms you find this language that's so superlative. Just saying, here's God. He, you know, Unlike anyone else. Does that, does that at all stir you up? And see, when it doesn't stir us up to praise, then it's like we've got our thoughts somewhere else. We've got our thoughts and our minds somewhere else. And so when we really look at someone really strong and glorious and high and lifted up, it's like, wow, we want to tell others. You, you know how great he is? You know, just think of it in, in terms of this itty-bitty kind of illustration Here's, uh, Kobe Bryant. I don't even, some of you don't even know who that is. That's fine. But they're making a big deal about Kobe Bryant. You know, his last year, his last game here, his last game here, his last game here. As though he is some, you know, wonder guy. Okay, he had some really good years of playing basketball. Well, but somehow you and I get caught in it and it's like, ho-hum, we've heard about Kobe Bryant before or Tiger Woods golfing or Michael Jordan basketball or Derek Jeter baseball or whatever. And same thing goes with God. Oh yeah, yeah, he, he rose from the dead. And kind of somehow it gets thrown in the same category. That's our holiness deficiency we lower things that should not be lowered and we exalt things that should not be exalted in god's holiness is, here's his moral holiness and his majestic holiness first samuel chapter 2 verse 2 says thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever whose name is holy okay 1 Samuel 2, verse 2. Then number three. Number three. Consider these. Holiness displayed or holiness on display. It's on the back of your outline. Now, I want to give you all of these one right after the other right now. So if you're, if you're taking notes, here we go. Letter A is in nature or in his very person. Letter B, in his works. In His works. Holiness is displayed in His very person. And letter B, in His works. Letter C, in the law. In His law. Letter D, at the cross. Letter E, holiness is displayed in His children. In His true children. And letter F, holiness is displayed at the throne. Meaning... Forever and ever and ever. Now, there's verses on each one of those, okay? But I think it's important that we land on letter C and D and E. Those three especially. Um, in his very person, letter A, it's it's just who he is. That's what the scripture says a, a number of times. Holy is his name that's what he's identified by we we look at each other and we we call each other by name that's what you're identified by well when we look at god we say holy is his name okay and in his works all that he's done here here's his creation here's his sustaining grace all of it done here's uh with you know out of his holiness then let us see this is one of the neglected things we um, in a, in the church, kind of overall in the church, we kind of uh, delete the idea of His law. Why? Why is that not important? Well, because Jesus did, you know, he, Jesus fulfilled the law for us, so we don't need to worry about that. Sounds like that's a, a good idea. Because why? We 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 live and uh, uh, live by grace. It's all about grace, isn't it? But no, if you study the word and let the word speak, we understand that here's the place of the law. Why? Why should not we just delete it? Because the law keeps us on edge, if you will, in the right way by convicting us of our sin. Here's what the Spirit of God uses to bring conviction to your life. Speaking of holiness, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Why? Because He's a holy God. His name is holy. But how often do we break that commandment? Taking the Lord's name in vain. So, the importance of the law. Psalm 19 says, The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, giving us vision, saying, oh, this is the way life ought to be based on his command, his commandments, his law. Okay. The fear of the Lord. Here's the response. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And then Romans seven is mentioned there also. Romans seven, verse 12. So then the law is holy. Holy. The commandment is holy and righteous and good. These are good things. It's not time for the Christian just to delete it and wipe it out and say, I don't need to worry about that. Well, yes, Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. But you and I still ought to be saying, let's track with that and make sure here's something that brings conviction to my life. To how I'm living. Again, we thank God for His grace. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Okay. Then under letter D, at the cross, His holiness is displayed at the cross. Think of it, you guys. Just think of this. Think of how much God hates sin for Him, God the Father, to what? Punish His Son like He did that's how much he hates sin and that's about his what here's his holiness demonstrating itself again remember we and we mentioned Romans 8:32 that god spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all how brutal execution brutal beating all that connects to the fact that god hates sin Okay. this is a this is a very uh, important part of our understanding of holiness because again most of, uh, most of us have grown up in a Christian culture that, that leans more towards well I'm forgiven yes that's good but it, it kind of opens the door for subtle thinking in our minds to say it doesn't matter I'm forgiven. And what does Romans 6 say? Shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? That grace might increase? Most of you know. May it never, never, never. Paul is very emphatic with that. May it never be that we continue in sin. So what are we to continue in? Here's holiness. Holiness. Because God is holy. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He accomplished for us what we could never accomplish for ourselves. He paid the debt, Christ paid the debt, that we ourselves could never have paid. And so with Christ dying on the cross... Showing forth the holiness of God. God has a way now to forgive man. And yet still preserve his being just and holy. Why? He didn't, listen, he didn't cut a corner in bringing about forgiveness. You and I might have done that, saying, hey, I I really like this guy, and let's, you know, we'll, we'll cut a corner here. God doesn't do that. Because why? He's perfect in holiness, righteousness, and justice. And God brought about in an an infinitely wise way man's salvation without cutting a corner from his justice. He poured out his justice against sin, his wrath on his Son. And Jesus... Is the propitiation. He, he absorbed that wrath. He took the punishment that you and I should have had. Okay, so we need to wrap it up. Um, there's many a verse here, and we will preach on this in the weeks ahead regarding the holiness of God displayed in other ways. Um, and here uh, in, in regards to His children, you and I, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, we're not, hey, uh, just, hey, you, you live however you want. We're, no, we're called to live holy lives. And so I want to be an encouragement in this way for all of us, okay, to say this week, starting today, this week, how do we respond to His Holiness? Say, oh, well, that's too hard for me to understand. No, it's given in the Bible, it's there for us to understand the amount that we can. And there's plenty to to understand about living holy for Him. We get back to this, you know, to close things up, we get back to this idea of the holiness deficiency. Okay? Following what He's given. You know, I believe that along with God's holiness, there's other things that... Are there for the taking that God's given. Um, turn in your Bible as we we are wrapping this up now. But turning your Bible to Second Peter, Second Peter. In Second Peter, chapter one. Starting at verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In what? In the knowledge of God. So, grace and peace be multiplied to you as a believer in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to what pertaining to life and godliness here's your living here's here's the stuff you're facing in life and what's god done he's given us everything for life and godliness and how do we how do we get that how do we understand that i i believe holiness is one of the main categories of how we go about living to help settle things down. Not that we're going to solve all the problems of our lives, no. But holiness is going to stabilize you, my friend. A holy life, a holy walk. That's the way God made it. That's the will of God for your life. That you walk holy. You say no to sin. You keep saying no to sin. You keep gaining encouragement from the word of God and from believers in fellowship. And we keep saying, let's turn away from sin and walk to the cross and walk with Christ and live holy lives. Why? Because God is holy. Let me give you one example of our problem of holy, um, holiness deficiency. Most of us have gotten very, very upset about when we see someone trampling on our flag. You got that? Everyone's there, right? We would say, make that a law. Don't let anyone trample. Maybe it already is a law. I don't know. But the point is, that's terrible. And we get all agitated about that. That's wrong. But when it comes to God's holiness, how do we respond? We don't get upset about that, do we? Why? Oh, well, I'm forgiven. Hey, I'm forgiven. Isn't that great? I love it. Well, yeah. But what we're doing is we're disconnecting from our calling. And that's one of the problems that we have in Christianity today. We got a lot of people claiming, hey, I love being a believer. Isn't this great? We go to a concert. We have fellowship, dinners, potlucks. Great, great, great. And yet we do not walk in holiness. And I, I know this is, this is going to be a great challenge. Not just with holiness, but humility. Who wants to talk about humility? Because we're not very humble. And yet, my friend, this is the direction that we're going to go. I hope you'll continue with us each week. On this study, Pastor Brennan and I, again, we will um, take like two weeks apiece. I'll, I'll take next week and then Pastor Brennan will preach and we'll keep going in this way. And you pray that God will use you to promote his holiness. Let's praise him. The scriptures constantly praise him for his holiness and they add into this and he reigns. Just like Isaiah did. You know, he saw that. The Lord is high and lifted up and he's holy. Here's his preeminence. Here's his perfection. Let's prioritize this kind of specific praise today and this week. Specifically, let's prioritize this kind of praise in our lives. God is holy. Let's lift him up in our words and in our behavior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before You and we thank You for how great You are, how holy You are. You're, you, you never have to make any adjustments or improvements. Thank You that You are perfect in every way and we lift You up. Lord, please work in our lives as we go through this series um, helping us to grow, to appreciate and honor You as the perfectly Holy One. Then, Lord, thank You for knowing that we needed Jesus because we have fallen short of the glory of God. And we are, even as Christians, we continue to miss the mark. And please help us to recognize it and take action to deal with it properly and in a wise way. Bless my brothers and sisters here. Help us, Lord, in in walking with you in this. And giving this over to you. And Lord we pray for those who are not saved. That they'd come to faith in Jesus Christ. And not look at it as some snooty kind of a religion thing. But truly here's the calling that you have O God. Upon our lives to walk in a holy manner. Thank you for your strength and your grace to accomplish this. We pray in Jesus name. Amen.